talk about the resurrection. We're going to go from the resurrection to what is believing tonight in the word of the Lord, which is covering a lot of material. John 20, verse 1, the first day. Has everybody got that? Okay. Notice it says the first, the day is in italics. Amen. Y'all see that? So the first of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooping down and looking in saw the linen clothes lying yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie and the napkin that was about his head not lying with the linen clothes but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulcher and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciple went away again unto their own house. So the disciples did. Verse 11. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And seeth two angels in white sitting the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And she supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me there or where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Go to Matthew, please. Matthew chapter 28. And verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did quake or shake and became as dead men. The angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Amen. Let's praise God. Lord, we just thank you right now that you are alive. <clears throat> that you're here right now, Jesus, in our midst. <clears throat> And we give you glory and honor and praise. And ask God that you'd inspire us. We thank you for your word tonight. It's anointed. 
God, we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. We talked about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ last week. That's where we ended. Amen. The Word of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. But that's not the end of the gospel message. If that were the end of the gospel message, then we would die in our sins. We would not be saved. Amen. Our preaching would be in vain. Our meeting tonight would be in vain. The death of the prophets in vain. The preaching of the martyrs in vain. There's no heaven to go to. There is no such man as Jesus. And we lie by saying that he is alive if there is no resurrection from the dead. But he is alive. Jesus lives. He's risen from the dead. Amen. And that's part of the gospel message. Not only that he died for us on the cross, but that he rose again the third day from the dead. So he's alive tonight. And you might not be able to see him as, as a man physically walking in this room, but he is here. Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ is in this church tonight because he is alive. And the, and the devil doesn't like it, and I'm glad. That's why in the spirit right now there's so much resistance to this service. Because this message right here announces his complete, total defeat. He wants to shut our praise down, our worship, and everything about this service. But he can't. Because we've got the news that is true. It's truth. Amen. It's an empty tomb. Right there. Jesus is not in there. He's alive. I read to you in John 20, one account, Mary Magdalene goes to the sepulcher. Now, let me explain something to you. When did the resurrection take place? When you look at the Gospels, it really sounds like that he rose early Sunday morning. Are you with me? But what you need to understand is that these disciples and these women came at different times. They didn't all show up at the sepulcher at the same time. So Matthew chapter 28, other translations translate that. That he was already risen from the dead before the Sabbath was over. Before the as the Sunday was coming in and just as the Sabbath was over and the dawning or the dusk as the you know what I'm talking about don't you okay Saturday Sabbath ends Saturday night with me the days end at night so Saturday it is believed that Jesus rose again from the dead on the Sabbath day late on the Sabbath day just before Sunday came in he was already risen from the dead now there are people who made their way to that sepulcher 
after the Sabbath day upon the first day of the week and found that sepulcher empty. Now I'm telling you that just so when you teach your Bible study you won't sit down and say Jesus rose on Sunday. Because it's very possible that he rose before Sunday actually came in. Okay, just for your information. Okay, y'all with me? But this Mary Magdalene is the first one to see the empty tomb. Or to see that Jesus had risen from the dead. Amen? Isn't that awesome? When she gets there, she sees two angels. She sees an angel sitting where the head of Jesus would have been. And she sees another angel sitting at the feet where Jesus' feet would have been. Which immediately takes you to the throne room. Now some of you can't see this. But right there is that's the throne room in the tabernacle and in the temple. Where the Ark of the Covenant was. And there were two angels on that Ark facing each other. So when Mary walks in there and sees those two angels. She sees the throne room. She sees where the head would have been, where the feet would have been, so that the, the work of the cross and His resurrection is connected with the throne of God. Amen? Give God some praise. Now, she's real concerned about the body of the Lord. Because she gets there and he, He's not there. He's nowhere to be found. He hear, she hears a voice behind her. Amen? She thinks he's the gardener. But it's Jesus. Who is the gardener. Now why is that important? Because in the fall, way back here in the fall, in the garden of Eden, say the garden of Eden, when men fell, they lost paradise. So Jesus comes into the world. He's crucified in a garden. He's buried in a garden. He rises from the dead in a garden. The early church Christians baptized in wells called cisterns in a garden. Why? Because what Jesus Christ did was restore what the first Adam lost in the first garden. The last Adam comes and he restores paradise. That's why he's crucified in the garden. That's why he's buried in the garden. That's why he rises from the dead in the garden. And that's why the early church baptized in the garden. Because Jesus came into this world to restore what Adam lost. Give God praise. And so she turns around. Oh yeah, I feel the Holy Ghost. She turns around and Jesus is behind her. But she supposed him to be what? The gardener. He is the gardener. He's the one that's going to plant this paradise of God. Not with just physical trees. Peter gave the message of the plan of salvation. Then he said, they, who can receive this? He said this, you, your children, those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And he's still calling today. If the Lord is still calling today. This experience is for you. As long as he's calling. This experience is for you. 
it didn't go out with the early church. As long as he's calling, it's for you. Give God some praise, would you? Mm. On the day of Pentecost, the 120 and then 3,000 more received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, if we're to be baptized in Jesus' name, what about Matthew 28, 19? Where Jesus said to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> if we're to be baptized in Jesus' name, why do you say the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Notice this. Notice it reads in the name singular. The words Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are not proper names. They are names, or they're not proper names, but they're titles. He said the name. Jesus said, I am coming, my Father's name. Amen. So what's the name of the Father? If Jesus said he came in the Father's name, and we're to baptize the name of the Father, then that's Jesus. The name of the Son, Matthew 1, 21, is Jesus. So when we baptize in the name of Jesus, we baptize in the name of the Son. The Bible says the Father will send the Holy Ghost in my name. So we know that the Holy Ghost will be sent in His name. So the name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. Because He's not Father, Son, and Holy Ghost separate. He is the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's why His name is Jesus. So when we baptize in Jesus' name, we obey this command right here. We don't just repeat it. We obey it. Amen. The name of all three is Jesus. Can I tell you something right now? That even if you did believe in the doctrine of the Trinity, that there were three separate persons, for you to baptize in the titles, you're still incorrect. Even if you believed in the doctrine of the Trinity, three separate persons, you're still baptizing incorrectly. Because the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. Even if they were separate. For you not to be baptized in Jesus' name as a Trinitarian is error. Even the Trinitarian that believes in three separate persons are in error. But I'm glad tonight to tell you that Jesus is the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And there is only one God. <laughs> and His name is Jesus. In the resurrection of the dead. I believe that if Jesus rose from the dead, that so will everybody else that I'm looking at right now. Everybody in this church someday, if you die, you are going to come out of that grave someday. And you will stand before Jesus Christ, the living Son of God, and give an account in your body for the deeds in the flesh. So that's why we live like we do. That's why we live holy. That's why we live righteously. That's why we live godly. Because we believe he's alive from the dead. And someday I'm going to see him face to face. And the devil hates that message. But he can't stop it. Jesus is alive. And, and can I tell you something? He's living inside of me. He's living inside of his garden today. You are his body.
Give God some praise. So tonight, I feel the Holy Ghost telling me this. That whatever you got to do to find him. Yeah, I know he's in here. But he's also out there moving somewhere. And whatever I got to do to find him. Whatever I got to do to locate him. I might not have to go in and carry his body. Or maybe I do have to carry his body. But whatever I got to do to locate him, I will be extravagant. I will be abundant in it. Because he is awesome. He's the lover of my soul. The lily of the valley. There's nobody like Jesus. And Jesus says to Mary, Mary. That's all he had to say. And before this service is over, I believe I'm going to hear him say my name. Before this service is over, you need to believe that you're going to hear him say your name. And if you've been looking for him all night long and can't locate him, just believe. Before the service is all over, he's going to call your name. And all you got to do is turn it. Yes, Lord, here I am. You're alive. I can't believe it. I couldn't feel you. I couldn't sense you. Didn't even know you were in the house. But now that you spoke my name. And I want you to know something. It's not going by your feelings. Woo. She wasn't going by her feelings. She said, I'm going to go get him. I don't care how I feel right now. I'm going to go get him. I, I don't care how tired I am. I don't care what kind of circumstance I got to face. I don't care what I got to overcome. But I'm going to go find him. And when I do, I'm going to carry him. I'm going to... Just get ready. Just get ready. That's why you cannot go by your emotions right now. You must not, you must not go by your emotions. You must walk by faith. You must feel after Jesus today. You must say, God, I love you so much. You see, see what I want you to see here is that God loves sometimes to play cat and mouse with you. I haven't prepared to say a lot of this stuff, but I'm just feeling the Holy Ghost tell you right now. He just loves sometimes to play the cat and mouse game with you, you know? He likes to play. You know, I saw the youth. They got a, in a couple of weeks, they got this thing going called hide and seek. You know, he loves to play that with his disciples. He'll come over here. He'll hide from us. So we'll go find him. Where are you, Jesus? Because he loves to be pursued. He loves to be pursued. He loves to be. You're looking for him, seeking him. If you seek him, the Bible said, you'll find him. Which means if you've got to seek him, he's hiding somewhere in the house. I said he's hiding. I'm saying, God, I'm going, God, what's going on here? I can't feel a thing. Up here praising God, trying to get myself out of the way. Can't feel nothing, not one thing. Can't feel God's presence. Don't know where he is. He's telling me I'm playing hide and seek right now. He said, it's, I'm going to be found by those who are extravagant. I'm going to be found by Marys who cannot live without me. I will be found of them that seek me with all of their heart. So y'all, y'all let me know. You let me know. Will you let me know? Sit down. Will you let me know if 
Jesus walks up behind you tonight and says, your name? Will, will you just jump up and say, praise the Lord, if Jesus, see, you were looking for him, seeking him, trying to find him, couldn't find him, and he walks up behind you and says, calls your name. If he does that, will you just jump up and give a good shout? Because I'm telling you tonight, he wants to be pursued. He wants you to seek him. That's I feel the word in the spirit tonight. He wants his bride. He wants his beloved to seek him tonight. He's hiding from you deliberately. He's not always going to be looking you in the face. He's going to be hiding over here somewhere. Will they seek me? Are they hungry for me? Do they love me tonight? Do they have the heart of Mary? Okay, so y'all sit down. Meet me. Be still. Now, all right, so if, if somebody just jumps up in this church and goes, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And just goes crazy and starts running around the house. Don't freak out. They just heard their name. That's all. I said they just heard their name. How? Just to hear him call my name. Just to hear him call my name tonight. That's all I need is him to say my name. That's it. I'm out. I'm gone. Forgive me. Just put me in my car drunk. He is the lover of my soul. He wants to be pursued. Give God some praise. Woo, yeah. Mary, Rabona, Master, I found you. Now that's all she needed. I said that's all she needed. She took off like a crazy woman. Some people come to this church and they say, why do these people get so excited? Why all of that extracurricular stuff? Because we just had an encounter with Jesus. That's why. She takes off like a crazy Roman. She runs straight to the disciples and say, he's risen from the dead. He's alive. And there's a couple other disciples that are in that room who have the same kind of love. One's name is John. The other's name is Peter. And the Bible says they started running. Now, now calm down, Peter. Why are you so excited? Just calm down. Just don't get excited, Peter. John, why do you run? Why don't you just walk, you know, like you're cool? Why don't you just be cool, John? Why don't you be cool, Peter? And if you can't be cool, just be cute. Hello. But they neither cared about being cool nor about being cute. They, they took off. They ran as fast as they could. And old John, he outrun Peter. No wonder he's called the beloved disciple. No, no wonder he's a disciple who Jesus loved. Because that man had an extravagant love about him. Caused him to outrun that old rugged fisherman. John looks in there. 
he sees an empty tomb. Now somewhere, Mary Magdalene, she's hot on the trail too because the Bible tells me she's also there with them. In fact, when they go back, she stays there. So you know what? We got three people running now. We got Mary running to the disciples. Then we got Peter and John running. And the Bible doesn't say she ran with them. But somehow she showed up there. Don't tell me that church is supposed to be dead and dull and dry and non-emotional and formal. Don't tell me that because we serve a living God tonight. He lives. He's alive. I don't have to wait to see him to run. They ran without having seen it. The Bible says John looks in there. He sees inside of that sepulcher. Hallelujah. Woo. He looks in that sepulcher. It's empty except for some grave clothes. And it's not just a, a white sheet that was over his body. They, were, they wrapped him in a cocoon-like structure on his body. They put in bombing fluid. Uh, uh, what is that stuff? They, the, the spices. Yeah. The spices. And... And they dipped it in this solution. And they wrapped his body like a mummy. So when John walked in there, he looked at that. And all that was left was the cocoon structure in which Jesus once resided. That, that was the proof that nobody stole his body. That he didn't even have to break out of the body. He just went through the body. Because he's got a resurrected body. And I think that's why Mary really couldn't recognize him when she turned around. You know, she heard the voice. Thought he was the gardener. Didn't recognize Yeah, oh, Jesus. Because you see, he didn't look like he did when he walked the earth before his resurrection. There was something that had changed in him. He now has a resurrected body. Who give God some praise. So all that's left inside of that sepulcher is a cocoon-like structure that he once he used to be inside of for three days it was his home but he came through it and when you looked in there it was an empty shell and that's what john saw and then peter peeks his head around into the sepulcher and he sees the same thing he sees an empty cocoon-like structure there empty it's not there uh, Jesus is not there but he looks over there and in a corner the Bible said I read it to you tonight that he looks over there and he sees a napkin that was on the head of Jesus wrapped by itself in a place all by itself and I think most of you know what that means right you know what that means right you see in that culture there's a custom that are you, if you were eating dinner somewhere, okay, hallelujah, and you got your napkin out, right? You're eating supper. You're eating and you, you got to dismiss yourself. So you get up and you go away. You disappear. Now, on that plate, if your napkin is just laid out like this on top of the plate, that means you're finished and you're not returning. You're not returning. But if you get up from that place and you fold your napkin back up and you place it back in its position right there and you get up and you leave that place right there, whenever the waiter comes back to that place, he says, oh, they shall return. 
So what Jesus is saying here is this. He says, I'm not here right now, but you, you're going to see me again because I'm coming back. I'm going to return again. And so from time to time, he, he appears and disappears from his disciples. He fight. Are you with me here? God's good. Give God a hand clap praise. Mary and Mary and Joanna make their way back to the sepulcher. Are you with me right now? And then the scriptures tells us that they finally make their way up into, again, to the disciples. Are you with me? Say the disciples. The Bible says they're in a room. It's all locked down. It's shut down tight. They're afraid. They're afraid of all of those authorities outside there. Are you with me right now? And Jesus, he don't need to open no doors. But you can't lock him out. I told you I was going to come back. I told you you were going to see me again. So you know what he does? He just appears right where they are. And they're full of unbelief. And they're full of doubt. And when Jesus shows up to them, He corrects them. He upbraids them because of their unbelief. Wonder how He got in that room. Because He's got a resurrected body. So all He's got to do is position His body a certain way and just walk through that molecule. <laughs> He lives in a total another dimension. When you talk about a resurrection body, it's a total another, another, it's not limited by time, by space, by height, by width. It's not limited by material things. He just repositions himself like that and walks, you with me here. I don't even think he had to walk through a wall. He just appeared to them. Now, thanks be to God, he didn't have a glorified body. Because had he had a glorified body, everybody in that place would have melted. At that time when he's appearing to his disciples and he's playing this peekaboo game with them. I'm here, but I'm not here. I'm here, but I'm not here. I'm here, but I'm not here. So that when I finally go away, I want you to know I will return again. But just because you can't see me doesn't mean I'm not there. I'm there even when you can't see me, disciples. And so he appears and disappears and appears and disappears. So they'll always know, even though they can't see him, he's there anyway. He's playing peekaboo with them. Give God some praise. How many mothers do that with your children? You got newborn babies. You put them in the crib. Walk around the corner and say, peekaboo. Back off, run away. Play that game with them. Mama's here. And you run away from them. Are you with me? That's exactly what Jesus is doing there. He's saying, you can't see me, but I'm still here. And guess what? I will appear again. You will see me again. Give God some praise. I'm telling you tonight, he's alive. Woo. I can't see him, but I know he's here. And I know he will appear again. I have a promise. I'm looking forward to it. It might be tonight. And even though I can't see him physically, I'm going to look for him until I find him. And I'm going to wait till he calls my name. And that's all I need. Give God some praise. Now, 
in the midst of, of all this resurrection timing, we've got, remember what they did? They put a big old rock in front of the sepulcher. Are y'all okay out there? Oh boy. They put a big old rock in front of that sepulcher that's so heavy they had to put it in a ditch and put a wedge underneath it, kick the wedge out, let it roll in front of the sepulcher. It weighed about two tons. And they put this big old stone in front of it. And then the enemies of Jesus Christ were so afraid of his words. Are you with me right now? They were so afraid of his words. Annas went to, oh, oh goodness. Went to the governor and said, hey, we need something to secure the tomb. Because he said he's going to come out of the grave. And we don't want to take the chance that somebody come and roll that stone out of the way. And taking his body away and saying he rose from the dead. So could, would you do something about this? And so they put soldiers at the sepulcher. And they sealed it with a Roman seal. They run one cord over here, one cord over there. Put it over there like that. And they put clay or wax in the middle of it. And they put the, the seal of the leader right there in the middle of it. So if anybody tampers with it, they die. Can't break the Roman seal, right? Can't get the stone out of the way, right? Wrong. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Are you with me? And the scripture then tells us, as, as I read to you, that at some point, this angel come and rolled the stone away. But not to let Jesus out. He had already come out of the sepulcher. The only reason why the angel rolled the stone away is so somebody could look in there and see he wasn't there. And when that angel like lightning rolls that stone away, the Bible said there was an earthquake that took place because it is finished. He's alive from the dead. The Roman seal can't keep him. The Roman guards can't keep him. And so now they got to lie about all this and they say, we'll pay you if you'll lie and tell everybody that while you were asleep, the disciples came and took him away. Well, if you were asleep, how you know it was the disciples that took him away? Are you with me right now? He is alive tonight, church. And I don't have to get into a lot of, lot of details, but it's the greatest proven fact in history. The, re the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest fact in history. It is proven. Give God some praise. And just before he ascends up, he goes over to the Mount of Olives, as you can see. Now, I've got to hurry because I've got to cover a lot of territory. But I'm glad he's alive tonight. I said, I'm glad he's alive tonight. And I know some of you might have had a bad day today. And it, you brought it in here with you. And I know some of you have been fighting spirits today. And you brought him in here with you. But I'm going to tell you something right now. You're looking at a preacher that believes that Jesus is alive. I will not be outdone by, my, by the enemies of my God. The enemies of my God believe more than his church believe. I will not be outdone by the enemies of my God. I believe he's alive tonight in this place. And he's walking in the cool of the garden.
in the midst of the garden in the spirit of the day. He's here right now. He leads those disciples out. Hallelujah. And I don't, I'm not going to get into other stories concerning his resurrection. Take me all night. But he leads them out to a place called Olivet. Or the Mount of Olives. And there he gives them a great commission. And this is what he says. Repentance and remission of sin should be preached. Can everybody see this? Do I need to move this out of the way? Okay. Got it? All right. Can everybody see it? Okay. That repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name, Jesus, among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. How many of y'all believe that? Great commission. Three times this commission in the gospel is given to those disciples just before he ascends back up into glory. Right? Can you imagine? The psalmist describes his entrance back into the portals of glory. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. After giving the commission to his disciples, he, yeah, I, he takes off. He's the only man who's ever taken off on his own power. When, when the rapture takes place, when the rapture takes place, He's going to take me out of here. The Spirit of God that's in me is going to take me out of here. I'm going to leave this place. I'm going to go through the first heaven, the second heaven. I'm going to go into the third heaven. But I will not do it in my own power. Elijah didn't do it in his own power. God had to catch them up and take them out. But Jesus Christ is God himself. And he, by his own power, ascended up. He left here. He went through the atmosphere. He went through the star system. He went all the way into the third heaven. And as soon as he got there to the gates that are there, there was a shout in the portals of heaven. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Can you imagine him? Those doors swing wide open. Hallelujah. I feel sorry for those men. They were trying to pay them off to lie about the resurrection. I'm sorry, sir. But that'd be like us going to play in the police force tomorrow and say, Police, would you please command that the gates of the dawn be shut so there'll be no sunrise? They can't shut the gates of the dawn and stop the sunrise nor can anybody else stop the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and some people who have a real good imagination said I wondered how the angels responded to Jesus when he walked through the gates of glory and walked up there and sat on the throne of God himself being God himself set on that throne and all the angels all the hosts of God begin to worship him and give him praise and glory they can do that in the heavens but they can't do that in the earth you have to give him glory here if you don't give him glory here nobody's going to give him glory here they give him glory there but I've got to give him glory here 
But when he walked in there and sat on the throne, all the host of heaven began to worship him and praise him. Now, I know that to be true. But somebody has, has a real good imagination. They said the angels walked up to Jesus and said, Jesus, what about the plan of redemption? Some of y'all are more concerned about going home and going to sleep. Some of y'all are more concerned about getting up and going to school and to work tomorrow. I didn't say all of you. Don't shake all your heads at me. I just got a few here. Oh, God. But the angel said, don't let me be the only one putting on a show up here. I didn't come to entertain you. I didn't come to put on a show for you. I came to help church. So let's just get that out of the way. I'm not an entertainer. I'm a terrible entertainer. I'm a miserable entertainer. I am. Hallelujah. I'm just a gospel preacher. Preaching about a Savior who's risen from the dead. But I, okay, I know it is. You're, you're enjoying the word. So they walk up there to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God himself sitting on the throne. What are you going to do about the plan of redemption? Hello. I gave it to 11 disciples. You did what? You gave the whole plan of redemption into the hand of 11 men? That's right. You mean you're going to trust redemption of the world in the hands of 11 men? That's right. What if they fail? What if they don't go preach this message? What if they don't go tell somebody about what you've done, about your death, burial, and resurrection? What if they just refuse to go? That's the only plan I have. If they don't go, nobody's going to go. And I didn't, listen, he never changed his plan. Never, in, never did God ever change his plan from A to B. Everything that's ever happened was in the plan of God. Redemption by the cross and his resurrection was in the plan of God. He didn't have a plan B. It's always been plan A from the get-go. So, if those disciples don't go forth and preach this gospel, there is no plan there is no alternative there's not a B plan it's up to us church to go out and preach this gospel to a dying and lost and hell bound society if we don't do it he don't have another plan he will not bypass me he will not bypass you that's the plan he's chosen so I'm going to stand and I'm going to declare to you his death, his burial and his resurrection So he's depending on you. Everybody in this church. Everybody here. You were created for one reason. And that is to expand the kingdom of God. For that one reason and that one reason only. And if you fail to communicate the dispensation of the gospel that's been committed to you, there is no other plan. You're it. He put it all in the church's hand. He said, it's yours. I will go with you. I will be with you until the ends of the earth. But you've got to go and you've got to be the one that declares it and preaches. Yeah. 
Awesome. Give God some praise. Really, Jesus? Really? Really, Lord? You're putting it in the hands of 11 men. You got that kind of confidence? I have no more plan. I have no other plan. That's it, church. Do you see how serious this is? You have to see how important you are. Give God praise. And so he told those 11 to start with. Then he added one, made it 12. And then on the day of Pentecost, we'll see that, he added 120 and then 3,000 more. Hello? He said this. This is the commission. He said, I commission you. If anybody ever asks you, why are you preaching to me? Why do you keep witnessing to me? Why do you keep telling me about Jesus' name, baptism, and the oneness of God, and then feeling the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues? Why do you keep this up? Because he told me to. I'm commanded to. This hit me like a ton of bricks today. We, all of us, are guilty of looking at people and saying, they won't listen, they won't hear, they won't believe, they're too bound. Who is going to tell them the truth? If I don't tell them the truth, so what if they slam the door in my face? So what if they cuss me out? If I don't open my mouth, there is no more plan. Well, won't Jesus send somebody else? I don't know. Nor do you know that he will. So that when we rub shoulders with people every day in the concourse, in the concourse of life, in the street corners of life, we rub shoulders with people all the time. If we don't open our mouth because the devil has got us mixed up in our mind and tells us that one won't believe. And we, so we go around and we, we have become the inspectors. We have, I'm including myself, we have become the inspectors of men and women. And we say, this one, yeah, oh yeah, I believe that one. But this one, no. I want to be honest with you today. Brother Heath even said this. He said, the people that you don't think are going to be the ones to get baptized and get hear the truth, they're the ones. But the ones that you think are going to get a hold of it and live for God are the ones that most often do not. But the ones that you look at and scratch off your list and say, no, I don't believe it. Just open your mouth and see what God will do. Get a bulldog. Or some friends, some fellow worker. We've already thrown in the towel on him. He put it in our hands. It's an awesome honor. It's an awesome privilege. It's an honor for me tonight to stand before you and preach this glorious Savior. It's an honor for me to stand before you and tell you he lives. It's an honor for me to be called a gospel preacher. So he put it in your hands. And I know it's a Wednesday night, but I'm not going to let that stop me. And so the disciples. But he says this. He said, you can't preach anything until you go and wait for the promise of the Father. Which saith he, you've heard of me. 
go wait until you be endued with power from on high you see because what you have to do you can't do without my power because you are surrounded by persecution. You are surrounded by evildoers. You are surrounded by demon powers. You are surrounded by this world. You can't reach them without my power. It's not in pretty talking. It's not in pretty illustration. It's in the power of God. We need the power of God this hour. I believe more than they needed it then. You've got to be anointed. You've got to have the power of God in your life to be a soul winner. To break those chains of darkness, you've got to be anointed. Man, you've got to have God inside of you this hour especially. It's getting darker. The, Holy God, the, the Lord spoke to me this morning on the way to prayer. He said, the world has gone run amok. The world is run amok. It's crazy. And it's getting crazier. People are insane. And they're getting more insane. But we've got the message that'll set them free. But it's going to have to be delivered in power. So you go until you be endued with power from on high. Don't preach one message until you got power. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We don't need preachers standing behind pulpits who are not anointed. God said, he said, you don't preach one message until you get power. You don't preach one message until you get anointed. Because we don't need pulpiteers. We need gospel preachers full of the Holy Ghost and power. But Jesus, we spent three and a half years with you and you've taught us and you put the word in us and we've got knowledge but you're telling us not to preach one message without power or you're telling us that we can't preach what we know until we have an anointing and that's exactly what Jesus said see listen to me right now I feel the Holy Ghost telling there are a lot of people who think that their call is based on their knowledge that if they get a little knowledge and information about Jesus or from Jesus that that qualifies them to preach friend knowledge doesn't qualify you to preach God said they had knowledge what they needed now was power we need to pray for the anointing, the power of the Holy Ghost to come upon not just the preacher in the pulpit, but the saint in the pew till we are baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. We'll never reach this world without it. Jesus said it. It's not how smart I am. It's not how smart you are. We need a knowledge of the word, but we've got to have an anointing. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. And so they travel. Now, I know some of y'all are scared because I'm only on the second page. But that's okay. I don't need your help to anoint me. <laughs> I was anointed before I ever got here. I, 
God doesn't want a dead, dry, formal church. He said you can't even preach until you get full of the Holy Ghost. You can't even claim to have had church without an anointing coming upon you. All you did was go to a meeting, go to a gathering, go to a social place. I don't care if they call it a church or not. If there's not a move of God's spirit in that place, you did not have church. And the preacher did not preach. Man, I feel something breaking loose here. I told you the first, there was a hindrance, there was a resistance to what was going to happen here. But you can't let it stop you. You can't let it stop you. There's enough resurrection life in this place to take stones and roll them off of your heart. There's enough of God in this church to set you free. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. And Jesus knows the devil can't handle somebody who has resurrection power. So he told his disciples, he said this. Go you to Jerusalem to wait for the Holy Ghost. Acts 1, starting verse 8 and read on through. You shall be, he said. And Acts, man, I'm Help me out. Got to catch my breath. Help me out. Acts chapter 1, you shall receive, you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. You shall, Acts 1 and 8, receive power. And the word power there is dunamis. The word power is linked to the resurrection. The same kind of power that raised Jesus up from the dead is a demonstrated power. It's not a, it's not a quiet power. It's not this kind of power that says, it says, I got, I got power. The word dunamis means this. It's explosive. When you get this kind of resurrection power, it is the kind of power that was explosive. So explosive that there was a visible manifestation when it occurred. There was earthquakes. There was stones rolled away. There was a very powerful manifestation. So you cannot have this kind of resurrection power and be sedate. You cannot have this kind of resurrection power and be quiet about it. It is a, a bomb. You are literally a bomb going off. You're an explosion going off. It is, it is and always is demonstrated power. demonstrated power and it has nothing to do with you feeling it 
nothing. It has to do with when you don't feel it. Where have they laid him? Where have they laid him? God's good, isn't he? You're going to receive power, dynamis power, dynamic power, explosive power, demonstrative power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So watch this. There's going to be a breaking up of the foundations of the deep inside. And there's going to be an opening of the windows of heaven above. So that when God pours out his spirit, when his spirit hits you and it comes inside of you, there's something on the inside. The foundations of the deep are broken up. And the windows of heaven open up so that his spirit moves in in and on the outside of you. It's like rain. It's like water. Inward water coming out and upward water coming down. It's like the flood. The foundations of the great deep were broken up. And the windows of heaven opened up. Look at there and say, broken up and opened up. They broke up and they opened up. So that when God poured out his spirit, the foundations of the deep inside of you, something's going to begin to move. Something's going to begin to happen. And the windows of heaven, I'm telling you, we're living in an hour right now that God is doing so, such a powerful thing. It, you want to be a part of what God is doing. It is so powerful. It is so awesome. It is so glorious. It is so great. That I tell you, it's going to cause us sometimes to go way in the night, in the wee hours of the morning, full of the Spirit. We're going to be so caught up in the move of God, we won't even be aware of time. He's going to break up the fountains of the deep. He's going to open up the windows of heaven. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Awesome. I'm real tempted to preach to you Pentecost after the rain. Because you do remember that it was 40 days. After the, say after the rain. How long did it rain? 40 days and 40 nights. Oh, right. Oh, really? Give God some praise. It rained how long? 40 days and 40 nights. He was seen of them 40 days. And then after the 40 days, the Holy Ghost was poured out. So there's a Pentecost after the rain. What I'm trying to tell you, you serve an awesome God. And the reason why he died, was buried, and rose again is so that he could come inside of you and break up the fountains of the great deep and open up the windows of heaven inside of you so that there would be a Pentecost after the flood, a Pentecost after judgment, a Pentecost after the finish, a Pentecost. Well, I better hurry. I tell you what, church, I'm about to get beside myself. 
because I believe it. I believe it. I'm living for it. I exist for it. The Holy Ghost will be sent in my name to teach you all things. So here they go. He goes up. Say, he goes up. They go to Jerusalem, and they're waiting for his spirit, Jesus' spirit, to be poured out on them, to come inside of them, and to come upon them. Woo, yeah. And on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the day of Pentecost is a feast day, 50 days after first fruits. That's why it called, they call it Pentecost. But anyway, on the day of Pentecost, God poured out his spirit. And Jesus started his own church. No man started it. Jesus started it on the day of Pentecost, about A.D. 30, 33, somewhere in there. He started his own church. And the way he did was he poured out his spirit. Now watch this. The disciples had grown from, from 11 to 120 in an upper room. That's what it says here in upper room. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm not getting into that one. It probably wasn't an upper room, though. I believe it was in the temple. But anyway, I'm teaching you a Bible study. I can't. I just feel so good. I feel so good. Sometimes I feel like I'm not going to have anything to say. And then I get up here in the Holy Ghost. That's why I'm telling you, you can't do it without the Holy Ghost. You, and then I get up here and the Holy Ghost comes on me and I can't shut up. I can't shut down. I can't shut up. Because there's a flow. There's a river that's flowing out inside of me that I cannot stop. I cannot quench. It's alive. I mean, I, I don't even have time to read the scriptures. God just gives it to me as it flows out of my spirit. That's why you've got to have the Holy Ghost. So the church age begins. Look at this. Holy Ghost. So they're all together in this, in this I'm going to just say in this room. I believe it was the temple. They're praying and they're seeking God. Anytime you pray and seek God, get ready for a deluge of the Spirit. That's why we say, please pray before service. Get in those prayer rooms. Seek God before church. Because if you don't, the preacher is going to take him two hours to get you prayed through so you can have a move of God. The preacher's already might be anointed, but it's going to take him two hours to get you full. But if you'll get in a prayer room and you'll seek God like they did on Pentecost. If you'll pray and seek God like they did, you'll come and you'll be ready for a deluge of the Spirit. God will pour out His Spirit on you also. He is no respecter of persons. If He does it for me, I assure you, He can do it for everybody here. If you do what they did, you will get what they got. He's no respecter of persons. If they heal the sick, God wants to use you to heal the sick. If you will pray and seek God, you'll get the same thing they got. 120 believers were in this room, including the mother of Jesus. And if Mary, the mother of Jesus, 
needed the Holy Ghost, so do you. If Mary, the mother of Jesus, needed to be saved, so do I. The Bible says, the Bible says, for all of you who worship Mary, the Bible says she was a sinner just like me and a sinner just like you. And Jesus died for her on the cross, rose from the dead for her on the cross. And then she had to get the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost just like you did and just like I did. There's nothing special about Mary other than the fact that she gave birth to Jesus. And we need to honor her. But I want you to know, friend, she is not God. She's not deity that you worship or pray to. She is a sinner who needed the Holy Ghost just like you. And she got the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost just like the rest of the church did. I'm having fun. Are y'all with me? Okay, so all of a sudden, rushing mighty wind. Like a hurricane, man, coming. Like a train coming. It hits that place. When it hits that place, they can hear it coming from a distance. When it hits that place, everybody in that place, 120 of them, start speaking other tongues. And cloven tongues like as a fire sits upon the top of each of their heads. And they're praising and they're worshiping and they're speaking in tongues. And everybody gets around them. These people are drunk. They're full of new wine. Anybody that would act like that's got to be drunk. Yeah, they are. They're drunk on the Spirit. They're drunk on the Spirit. And the more you drink of the Spirit, the more drunk you will get. We got drunk Sunday night on the Spirit of God. We had Super Sunday that blew away that other thing that was going on, blew it out the door, and made it cry like a baby. I said, what happened here Sunday night? If you only realize, God began to talk to me. He said, when those ladies let that uncut hair down, when they undid their hair, and that uncut hair came down their back, or however, down their neck. You see, if you've just come into church, and you've never cut your hair since you got into church, your hair's uncut. It don't matter if it's down to here or if it's down to here. What God looks at is uncut hair, not length. And as soon as you let your uncut hair down, it was a demonstration of your consecration. And I want you to know God came in this place Sunday night and we had a super Sunday that made the other thing, the other deal, cry, cry like a baby. The awesome thing about what happened to us, it's for eternity. Don't tell me not to get happy. Don't tell me not to get happy. The more you drink, the drunker you'll get. And after the service, Sister Sanders, she had an old pastor. He's still alive preaching. 
And that old pastor, he's like a prophet. I don't know everything he believes. But you think you got trouble with me. <laughs> I don't know if you'd want him to be your pastor. <laughs> but anyway, let me tell you, he said this. He was preaching a pastor's conference. And he said, if the man behind the pulpit can get drunk on the Holy Ghost, and his whole church will get drunk with him, he said, watch out, devil. The devil... The devil can't stop it. So that's why I told you earlier, I'm not trying to perform, and I'm not trying to put on a show. I want everybody in this house, including myself, to get out of the way and let Jesus show up. Let Jesus show up in us. And I assure you, when you get drunk on the Spirit, you don't care what anybody thinks. You run, you shout, you dance, you scream, your hair is all messed up. So the people around said, hey, these people are not drunk as we think they are. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. They're drunk. They're drunk. But they're not drunk like we think they're drunk. They have been drinking liquor. They've been drinking the Spirit. I didn't have a hangover uh, Monday morning. just had an afterglow of glory that followed me all my days. But you see, I got to come back on a Wednesday night and I got to get myself out of the way again. I got to get my flesh out of the way again. I got to get drunk again to a place I don't care what you think. I don't care how I look. Now, if you could give yourself holy holy totally to the world and totally dedicate yourself to that other stuff if you would dedicate yourself body soul and spirit to God you would get so full of his spirit you would find joy unspeakable and full of glory has anybody heard your name called yet I said, anybody hear your name called yet? So the Bible said, watch this, watch this. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Say, they were all, not just the 12. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And what? And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Now, watch this. I'm going to help somebody right now. And it's not late, so don't look at me like it is. Yeah, it's still early. I'm going to help somebody right now. Some of you are quiet. Some of you are loud. Some of you are screamers. And some of you are whisperers. But I will tell you this. That speaking in tongues is for every one of you. I don't care if you're loud boasters are quiet and shy and a whisperer everybody who gets the holy ghost speaks in tongues and how well pastor how's that helped me 
Well, I'm telling you before this service is over, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, it's promised to you. If you're baptized in His name, and all you got to do, you don't even have to run. You don't have to scream. You don't have to climb on the poles here. Oh, Lord, you know I'm drunk now. And I start talking about poles, man. You don't have to climb no poles. <laughs> In your little sweet little way, just go, I receive you, Jesus. Fill me with your spirit. And just be filled with the Holy Ghost right there. And in your little quiet little way, your little whispering way, just go, just start speaking in tongues. And then stand up and say, Pastor, I spoke in I'm trying to help you. I'm not telling you you ever turn into a loud screaming runner, but I'm telling you the Holy Ghost, you know, the way it manifests itself is speaking in tongues. Give God some praise. Well, I feel it. I feel that. There, listen, there is enough of God in this place right now. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, all you guys lift your hand and say, Jesus, right now I accept the Holy Ghost and just begin to speak with tongues. You will do the speaking. God's not going to do it. You will do it. Just begin to enjoy him and speak in tongues. And stop letting the devil beat you over the head. Amen. Look at my wife. My wife's a worshiper. And she's a singer and she loves God. But she don't act like me. But she's a powerful woman of God. You don't, you don't have to act like me to get the Holy Ghost. Except the Holy Ghost. You stand there speaking tongues in your sweet, quiet little way. I'm trying to help you today. Let me get on down the road here. And so as these people are gathered around, they see this awesome experience of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> the people that are gathered say, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Tell us what to do. And so Peter stands up at that time with the 11, because they added somebody to take Judah's place. He said, repent. First step, watch. He didn't tell him. Accept Jesus as your personal Savior. He said, now, well this, some of y'all, I can hear you in the spirit right now. Some of you say, oh, that's the old Pentecostal doctrine again. Honey, this is not denominal Pentecostal doctrine. This is Bible. It's Bible. And just because you don't appreciate it, it's still Bible. It's Bible. Has nothing to do with denominations. Guess what? I just heard a Baptist speak in tongues, baptized in Jesus' name. Today, it has nothing to do with your denominal background.
it's for you. You're looking at a Lutheran tonight. I'm a Lutheran. Has nothing to do with your religious background. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is the plan of salvation right here. It'll change your life forever. Better check the time. Listen. Listen to me, okay, please? I don't care what your background is. And I'm just going to say this right now. Do you know what's the most important thing in this world? Is God and His kingdom. And me putting an inheritance in my children concerning His kingdom. It is not their education. Because I sense in some of you, you are so worried about their school and their education and all this stuff. And you spend hours and hours and hours in their education and very little time in their spiritual development. The most important thing you'll ever do is impart spiritual truth into your children. If you got to do it in secret, do it in secret. They go to school for what? Six hours a day? I'm not correcting you or rebuking you or jumping on you. Just listen. Just listen to, to reason. They go to school five days a week. How many hours? Seven hours a day. And all I've got with you, are you with me? Is maybe two or three hours on a Wednesday night, two or three hours on a Sunday morning, two or three hours on a Sunday night, and that's it. That's all I have, all the time I have to impart the Word of God into you. And some of you are so focused on education, you'll send your children seven hours a day to school, and then three hours when they get home. If homework, 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 three hours a day. And I know it's required, but I'm telling you, we're lopsided. Our priorities are messed up because we come to church on Wednesday and worry about school tomorrow. And we want to be an end time powerful revival church. And we're more concerned about what time we get out. Because it's Wednesday night. We got to get over that. Ten hours a day educating them. And then come to church and worry about. Have to get up early in the morning pastor. This is the gospel. Church, for all of you who are born again believers, please be gracious enough to help me reach somebody here tonight who doesn't know this message. Please have enough desire for souls to pray and to worship and to seek God for your pastor to impart the word of God that will save somebody's soul because there's some people hanging in the balance right now. If
I tell you something. I don't take anything as just an accident. Not in the house of God. Now, I'm going to show you something. It was either last week or the week, week ago. I, this thing come up off of this pulpit. I hit it. An angel didn't lift it. But I hit it. This thing jumped all the way from where I was teaching. All the way to the last lesson on hell. That is amazing. Because I have to click, 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 click. One slide after another. One slide after another. They fall in sequence. One right after another. For that thing to jump from the lesson I was teaching. All the way to the end. Is not an accident. The Lord told me it wasn't. When it happened after service. He told me it was not an accident. He said there are people hanging over him. They need to be awakened. That was not an accident. That's God. See, he's so good. He'll repeat. He'll repeat. He'll keep reaching. He'll keep reaching. He'll repeat. He'll repeat. He'll repeat. He'll give you another chance. He'll say, come, 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 come. That just confirms to me the word of God to Margaret and to anybody else in this house who's willing to receive it. We serve a supernatural God, my friend. He does things that will blow your mind. He'll cause dead dogs when you pray over them to come alive as long as you're praying over them and keep them alive as long as you're praying over them. I've seen it done myself. That doesn't mean anything to you, but if you were where I was a few days ago, it would mean a lot to you. I've seen God do awesome things. And, and I hear him say this. God's good. You shall see greater things than these. He said to Nathan, he said, because I said unto you, I saw you under the fig tree. You believe in me? You shall see greater things than this. You get the point? Jesus' name. Say with me, Jesus' name. God's good. And when you're baptized, it must be by immersion, not sprinkling. Immersion or baptism, the word baptizo, means to be completely submerged. There is no place in the Bible where anybody is ever sprinkled. Because you've got to repent, you've got to die. And then when you die, you don't take a handful of dirt and throw it on top of the coffin. You have to bury them. You have to cover them. Water baptism is by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ. We are buried with him in baptism. And they went down both into the water. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. So anybody who sprinkles people are in error. You know what? Now hang in, hang in, hang in. Do you know the World Encyclopedia states? It's a secular encyclopedia. It states in their encyclopedia 
that everybody in the early church, when they were baptized, were immersed. They clearly say everybody was immersed. Let me really knock your socks off. Do you know the Catholic Encyclopedia also states that the early church, without exception, always baptized with total immersion, even in the Catholic Encyclopedia? And the reason why it was changed, another encyclopedia later in history says, is for convenience. But they disobey the word of God because to baptize means to be completely immersed. You don't throw a handful of dirt on top of somebody when they're in the ground. You cover them up. And so we're buried with him. So, and it's in the name of Jesus. Is this helping anybody? And by the way, these scriptures, buried with him, Colossians 2, 12. And they went down both into the water. That's Acts chapter 8. And then and, uh, Matthew, uh, what is this? Uh, 3. Uh, this is where Jesus is baptized, coming up out of the water, Matthew 3. So it's Bible, what we do. Hallelujah. Now, by the way, ooh, that water, that water is still nice and warm. It's like a sauna almost. And I'm going to just tell you this right now. If any of you have a question in your mind, just come up here and say, Pastor, I want to get rebaptized. Tonight. I feel that in the spirit tonight. Don't even come ask me, Pastor, what you think? I don't even want you to ask me. If you feel like you need to be rebaptized in Jesus' name, or if you weren't baptized in Jesus' name and you need to be baptized in Jesus' name, you come let me know. And that really blows some of your mind because you're ready to go home and go to school. But I'm serious. I'm serious. Don't get upset at me. So, y'all aren't upset with me, are you? No, you're not upset, are you? You're not, are you? Okay, good. That's all I need to know. And why you look like that? I'm fixing to ruin this whole thing. No, not really. Watch this. The Bible does not mention sprinkling or infant baptism. And the reason why they started sprinkling for convenience was because they started sprinkling infants. You can't very well submerge an infant. So they had to sprinkle them. That's why they did that. Can I tell you something? That's not biblical. Because the Bible said you've got to repent and then be baptized. An infant can't repent. So for you to call christen them that means to try to put christ in them that's the word christen means to put christ in them you can't put christ in them by sprinkling them with water because they have to repent of that sin before it'll ever be washed away help me jesus i can feel it is it necessary to receive the holy ghost Wow. Jesus answered. We talked about baptism. Let's talk about the Holy Ghost. Is it necessary? Some people say, I don't believe you have to have that. You know. And you know, a lot of times, what they'll say is this. They'll say, we can't understand it. Okay? So because we can't understand it, they don't get it. And then some people just ignore it. And then other people say, leave it alone. Because that's wild stuff. That's wildfire. 
So we don't understand it, ignore it, leave it alone. Is the way the religious world deals with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We don't understand it, ignore it, leave it alone. Give God some praise, would you? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I send you, except a man be born of the water and the Spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. So is the baptism of the Holy Ghost necessary? Jesus said it was. I don't care what your preacher says. I don't care what your mama says. I don't care what your daddy says. Jesus said, you must be born again of the water and the spirit or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. Amen. Are you okay, Brother Andy? Okay. <clears throat> what is the kingdom of God? Well, the Bible says in Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You don't have the Holy Ghost tonight. You're not in the kingdom of God yet. But watch this. We're not saying that you don't have anything. We never tell people they don't have anything. If they've repented, been to the cross, been raised in a good fundamental church, we don't say you don't have anything. What we say is you don't have everything you need. We tell you that God has much more for you. I will tell you right now, I'm Holy Ghost filled, Jesus name one God, but I can tell you right now, God's got a lot more for me and he's got a lot more for you. Okay? All right, so y'all got the point. The purpose of the Holy Why do we need the Holy Ghost? Okay. To resurrect us at His coming. Well, that's pretty important. To have power to witness. To show, show us things to come. That will protect you. God will warn you. He'll say, don't go down that road. Don't go on that trip. Don't go to that place. Don't buy that. Watch out for that person. Watch out for that situation. He shows you things to come. He warns you. He protects you. It's an awesome. That's why you need the Holy Ghost. He'll protect you. Something inside of you said, no, don't do that. It's a check in your spirit. If you override it, then you'll find out why he told you. Don't override that check in the spirit. Because then you'll find out why he told you. Are y'all okay out there? To protect us, show us things to come, all prophetically, but also to warning. To cause the weary to rest. How many of y'all are tired tonight? Where well, you are in the right place. <laughs> I'm so tired, Pastor. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it to church tonight or make it in church. I'm so worried. I'm so tired. And I know he's got the computer out. And when he gets the computer out, Jeremiah says, I don't want to go to church. Because it's so long when he gets the umpooter out. Well, I tell you, you are in the right place tonight because when you get the Holy Ghost, that you will get rest. You'll leave. You'll leave. You'll leave here tonight full of the Holy Ghost and be wide awake. And you were so wore out when you first came. And you'll be so wide awake 
feel like you slept 24 hours. Because the word is to teach you all things. To teach you all things. That's the purpose of the Holy Ghost. Now, I, do all speak with tongues? Do all speak with tongues? With other tongues when they receive the Holy Ghost. Okay. Well, let's see who did and who didn't. The apostles did. Acts 2. The mother of Jesus did. Acts 2. The Samaritans did. Acts 8. Cornelius. His kinsmen and friends did. Acts 10. Men at Ephesus did. Acts 19. Paul, writer of over half the New Testament, did. Do all speak with tongues when they receive the Holy Ghost? Yes. Without exception. In fact, there's nobody in the Bible who got the Holy Ghost who did not speak with other tongues. Nobody. Zero. Everybody, without exception, when they got the Holy Ghost, spoke in tongues. Mm. And the problem, a lot of times people are looking for a very powerful emotional thing. Just believe and receive. All you got to do is give your whole self, body, soul, and spirit to God. Give your vocal cords to it. Give your hands to him. Give your everything to him. If you'll give everything, your vocal cords, your body, soul, and spirit to him, you will speak in tongues. You will, without exception. If he can do it for a Lutheran, he can do it for you. I fought it. I fought it. I fought it. I said, I don't believe in it. I, I believe I'm the, I got the Holy Ghost. I believe I'm saved. You can't tell me any different. And guess what? When I was fighting the hardest that day, I went to church. That's when I stood up there and started speaking in tongues. So when you fight the hardest, that's when you're, you're, you're going to get it. Let me see where I was there. Okay. To speak with tongues, down here. To speak with tongues is the initial evidence that you have received the Holy Ghost. 